0: Sports Scripts with DcroM is brought to you by Top Choice Athletics, the number one company in customized sports equipment and apparel, specializing in baseball, basketball, soccer, volleyball, tennis, golf, and of course, football. All apparel and equipment can be customized according to your needs. To stay tuned to exciting sports news and deals, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at TopChoiceAthletics and follow them on Twitter at RealTCAthletics. Check out their awesome products and order online today from TopChoiceAthletics.com. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. The 2018 NFL season is already down to its final seven weeks, and this week contains several games that can prove to be very decisive the rest of the way. Two of them are in prime time, including a matchup NFL fans have had circled on their calendar for weeks, if not months already. And Hal Bent, even though seven weeks is an eternity, you could pretty much say it's already crunch time as we head into the top of the 2018 season stretch, can't you?
1: David, that is definitely there is a middle class of the NFL that this week and the coming weeks, there's going to be a lot of very, very important games on the NFL docket.
0: Most certainly. And uh, for that middle class, especially, it's already crunch time because uh, you're going to have to bat an above average batting average uh, down the stretch. You cannot settle for average or mediocrity.
1: That is absolutely true, David. Teams need to be ready to win right now.
0: Indeed, especially if you're still alive in the playoff chase and you aspire to make the playoffs, you have to start winning this week or else you are in big, big trouble. And before we get to previewing those two games I alluded to in the intro, let's talk about some observations we had from Week 10. And I want to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Although there's a bit of uncertainty going forward with that organization, I think they are stacked on defense for quite a while. They might have the best linebacker duo in the NFL going forward with rookie Leighton Vander out of Boise State, who was absolutely phenomenal last Sunday night against the Eagles, and Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is a dark horse candidate for Comeback Player of the Year, and here's why. When he was drafted in 2016... Uh, heading into the draft, people thought he was a surefire top five pick until he catastrophically blew out his knee and damaged a lot of nerves in that knee in that bowl game when he was at Notre Dame. Now, unbelievably, he looks like he's that player that people expected him to be in the NFL before that injury. So the Dallas Cowboys, they look very promising on defense with those two linebackers and their young pass rushers. If they can extend to Marcus Lawrence, that would be very, very good as well. So Dallas Cowboys, uh, the doomsday defense might be coming back.
1: That's a a great point there, David. That Cowboys defense is revitalized with those linebackers there, and it's exciting to see defense in the Big D, finally.
0: Oh, indeed, especially in a year where it's been all about offense, 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 and the great defenses we saw last year have taken a tumble, dare I say. So it's very refreshing to see teams uh, wanting to play defense.
1: Yes, that is a great point. And I think as we get into the colder weather here, uh, sweeping across the country, as has happened today, so <laughs> we're all freezing. Um, you're going to see the defense as those offenses have to slow down a little as we head towards the playoffs. Defense takes a much bigger stand in the front of who's going to be advancing into the playoffs.
0: Yes, sir. And here was my other takeaway from week 10. Barring a catastrophe, it looks very, very, very likely that the road to Super Bowl 53 in the NFC will be going through New Orleans.
1: I agree, David. New Orleans is a complete team. Whatever problems they had in the secondary at the beginning of the season, they've really worked those out. They've been a beast against the run. That team is solid on both sides of the ball, and they look tough to beat.
0: Indeed, and if they have home field advantage uh, throughout the NFC playoffs, uh, that will be a nightmare for whoever uh, goes in there, because uh, you know at the Superdome, uh, Drew Brees tends to be at his very, very best.
1: Exactly, and you don't want to be the road team in in the Superdome in the playoffs, because Let me tell you, there is loud, and then there's New Orleans Superdome loud.
0: Oh my God, you said it right, Hal. And that who chat is going to be louder than ever should the Saints um, wrap up that number one seat as I anticipate them to.
1: I think they will, and really, you know, you look at um, some injuries finally hitting in Los Angeles, and you're seeing New Orleans really nudging ahead of the Rams as the favorites coming down the stretch.
0: Yes, we will talk about that Cooper Cup injury momentarily, but now let's play our favorite weekly game called Truth or Exaggeration, and starting with the Eagles. The Eagles are more likely to get a top 10 draft pick than to make the playoffs.
1: You know, two weeks ago, David, I would have said exaggeration, but I don't know what is going on in Philadelphia. We all know the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing, and the Eagles tried to deny that that was the case. But the injuries are piling up in Philadelphia. The inconsistency, you see them, they can't put together a winning streak all season. They haven't had a winning streak at all. And week in and week out, I have no idea what Philadelphia Eagles team is going to show up and how they're going to play. So I'm going to say this is, would be normally an exaggeration, but here heading into week 11 with a tough matchup coming up in New Orleans, I'm going to say that's closer to truth.
0: It definitely looks that way right now. And here's another one. Based on last night's catastrophe in Seattle... Mike McCarthy will more likely than not get fired as head coach of the Packers after the 2018 season, whether they make the playoffs or not.
1: And again, that was another one that earlier in the season would seem like an exaggeration, but I think there's, you know, that offense, people are getting to the point in Green Bay where, you know, you don't want to waste too many years of Aaron Rodgers and two straight years without making the playoffs that might be just enough to make this a truth
0: I agree and if you watched last night's game even though he had one timeout left he should have challenged that and even though the ball was uh, uh pretty deep into their own territory on fourth and two with your defense playing badly and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback why didn't why did you punt why didn't you go for it Grotesque mismanagement by Mike McCarthy, and that could have very well sealed his fate last night.
1: I agree completely, David. And, you know, we see this mismanagement of games. The head coach has enough to do during the game. When the head coaches start calling plays on either side of the football they run into problems in game management, and they really need to focus on their primary task, which is head coach of the entire team. Put down the play sheet. You hired assistants for a reason. Let your offensive coordinator make the calls, and you concentrate on the game, and there'll be less problems with that, Mike McCarthy.
0: Oh, that's a very, very good point, Hal. And moving on to San Francisco, uh, it hasn't been the season 49ers fans were hoping for, but there has been a bright spot, and that name is George Kittle. And George Kittle has made the case that he's one of the five best tight ends in the National Football League right now, period.
1: Ooh, that is, uh, let's see, Kelsey, yeah, Gronk's down a little, Hurts is up. Yeah, I could, you know, the impact he has on the game. And I I think that's a a Mike Shanahan thing. You see that not just, you know, uh, with him as well, but you're seeing that with Kyle Jusek, their fullback. No other fullback has that impact. And when you're lacking that big play, wide receiver, that consistent threat on the outside, you have to have somebody step up. And, yeah, I'm going to go with the truth on that. Make it three in a row. George Kittle, I'll put him in my top five right now.
0: That requires a simpatico alert. We're simpatico there, Hal. And last but not least, in truth or exaggeration, if Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert declares for the 2019 NFL Draft, and should the Raiders have the first overall pick as I expect them to, the Raiders must take Justin Herbert.
1: Oh, that is a truth, 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 truth. You know, you... You can't pass up on that kind of talent that's there. And, you know, David Carr, I'm not sure which if he's up or if he's down week from week. You don't know the effect that these kind of seasons, like the Raiders have had these last two seasons, have on somebody's confidence. I think if I'm John Gruden, it's a fresh start. Clean house. You've got Derek Carr has trade value. Clean up on that and yep, I'm all for truth, 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 take him number one.
0: So four truths and zero exaggerations for this week, Hal, and moving on to one of those two pivotal games that we're going to watch this week, that is the Sunday night game at Soldier Field, where the Chicago Bears host the Minnesota Vikings. The winner will emerge as the leader in the NFC North, and this game looks very interesting and potentially very, very entertaining, and, uh, what kind of game are we most likely to see? This game could go a variety of ways. Could we see a shootout, given the way Kirk Cousins has been playing this year and Mitchell Trubisky has been playing as of late? Uh, could we see a low-scoring defensive battle, especially given the fact that it's going to be 25 degrees in Chicago on Sunday night, and uh, we'll get into why those two defenses have a potential edge in this game in a little bit? Or do you think it's something in between?
1: Yeah, I've, I've got it actually as a, a low-scoring a low affair. I think, you know, both defenses, you're looking at two very uh, strong defenses, a Sunday night in the Midwest in the end of November. Yeah, yeah it's looking like weather-wise we may be looking at uh, not ideal uh, circumstances for throwing the football. So I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game here. You've got two defenses that are... Um, You know, Chicago, we know how good they are. Minnesota has been, you know, other than a hiccup against the Saints, a lot better than that mess they were the first four weeks of the season. So I'm looking at it as betting the under on this week.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And this is the big reason why. When you look at the matchups in the trenches, there are two big mismatches in this game the Vikings offensive line that has struggled all season going up against that Bears front with obviously Khalil Mack, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, and Leonard Floyd. Good luck blocking that. And the Bears offensive line against that Vikings front four with Daniil Hunter, who is second in the NFL in sacks, only behind Aaron Donald and Everson Griffin, and Linval Joseph and Sheldon Richardson on the inside. Those are two big mismatches, and those two mismatches are why I think this is going to be a close, low-scoring defensive battle throughout. But what do you think is the bigger mismatch? The Vikings front four against the Bears offensive line, or the Bears front against the Vikings offensive line?
1: Well, the Bears have some healthy bodies up front, so I think they've got a little more of an advantage there than over the Vikings. I mean, for the Vikings, it's You know, both teams are so deep, as you just detailed there, on that defensive line. But for Minnesota, the the injuries on the offensive line have been killing them all season long. And... You know, every week it seems like there's a new name on that list. And have they really even recovered from those injuries at the beginning of the season? You know, still missing Nick Easton right in the middle of that offensive line. So I'm going to give the advantage to the big front of the Bears against that Vikings depleted offensive line.
0: Yeah, although that Bears offensive line against that Vikings defensive line, that's almost as big of a mismatch, isn't it?
1: Well, it's pretty close, but the Bears have done a good job of keeping defenses off, honest, running the football, and Mitchell Trubisky getting the ball out of his hands much, much quicker than he did last year, and that's been a big part of that improvement in the Chicago offense.
0: Very, very good point, but when you also look at this game, uh, You look at two running games that have failed to get going all season long. The Chicago Bears with uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, although Tariq Cohen is more of a gadget player. He's not a pure running back. He is a uh, weapon more so than a running back. And the Vikings with the Dalvin Cook uh, back of the fold uh, this week at 100%. Uh, Don't you think uh, this game could very well come down to whoever runs the ball better?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, control... Pulling the clock, getting these linemen on their heels, and not having their ears pinned back, coming after your quarterback is a huge part of this game, I think. And and like you mentioned, you know, Dalvin Cook getting back up to speed is going to be a big part of that Minnesota offense because they've clearly missed him this season. And. Going to the other side as well, you know, I think a lot of people had Jordan Howard penciled in as, you know, he's the bulldozer back there. And it's just been a struggle for him. He hasn't topped 85 yards rushing in a game all season. And it's my you know, again, even last week against Detroit in a fairly easy win, he couldn't even average two yards a rush. So for the Bears, they've got to figure out how to run the ball. And for Minnesota, they've got to keep. Dalvin Cook on the on the field and feed him that football to f- get some pressure off of Kirk Cousins.
0: Oh, very much so, and the same applies to the Bears and getting pressure off of Mitchell Trubisky as well. And uh, both these Bears and Vikings defenses are very hard to run the ball against. But the way I see the Vikings getting Dalvin Cook uh, his touches. I think they'll go to the screen game early with Dalvin Cook, and the same with the Bears with both Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, using the screen game as the extension of the running game.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, David. I think you're going to see both teams, uh, their offensive coordinators, getting that involved early, even just to keep that in the back of the mind of those uh, defensive ends when they're coming around the end, in that you know don't push up field too quick too fast because that pass can be coming on the screen right behind you for a big play.
0: You said it, and let's talk about Mitchell Trubisky for a second. While he has shown some very, very good improvement this season, inconsistency is still a concern. While he has gone gangbusters against some of the NFL's worst defenses, like we saw against Tampa in Week 4 where he threw six touchdowns, uh, that overtime game in Miami where he tore it up in the second half, and last week against the Lions... He has also struggled against some of the league's better defenses such as he did against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. Can the Chicago Bears win this game if Trubisky finds somewhat of a middle ground between those two extremes?
1: Well, maybe, but you know, again, that's he's really got to shine and you you really see the games where like you detailed, the games where he hasn't been on target you know the bears have really struggled to move the ball on offense and you know he can afford a bad game like he had against arizona early in the season and still win that game and pull it out but you know we saw it against new england you know like you said uh that they didn't really need him against buffalo but again he's uh struggled and the Bears barely pulled out a win against Seattle early in the season and week one against Green Bay he struggled so if it's a good team he's gonna have to be more than average he's gonna have to make plays and maybe it's a case where he needs to make more plays with his legs against these good teams and get out of the pocket and be a threat running the football in those games to kind of force those defenses into schemes more uh, that, that can affect less affect him in the passing game and open things up in the middle of the field where defense is putting a spy on him or something. If he can get involved with the running game.
0: Oh, that's a very, very good point. And especially against the defense, like the Vikings, in order to open them up, you're going to have to uh, think outside the box. And, uh, a couple of design runs for Trubisky early in this game, uh, might uh, go a long way towards, uh, doing just that. But, I agree that he cannot play as bad as he did against Arizona for the Bears to win this game, but he doesn't necessarily have to play as good as he did against Tampa or against Detroit or against Miami for the Bears to win this game, don't you think so?
1: Well, you know, I, I it depends on that running game. And if, if the Bears can run the ball effectively, you know, he's not gonna be he can afford to do be a just middle of the pack kind of game. But if that running game stalls out early the pressure is going to be on Trubisky to move that ball down the field with chunk passing plays, and that could be a disaster for the Bears' offense.
0: Oh, I definitely concur there, Hal. Uh, If that running game goes stagnant, uh, Trubisky is definitely going to have to make a lot of uh, big plays uh, for the Bears to win this game. But let's talk about this Vikings defense for a second. As you said, they're definitely much better then their hiccups uh, against Buffalo and obviously the Rams earlier in the season, but still, there's something on that defense that hasn't been quite right outside of that front four. And what unit of this Vikings defense outside of that front four needs the most improvement in this game and for the rest of the season?
1: Well, I, I'm going to say it's the secondary. They have, you know, we talked. Prior to the season starting, about how deep and how strong that secondary was—Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, um, you know, Trey Wayne's—so many strong individual performers. And for whatever reason, that Minnesota pass defense just hasn't been getting the job done consistently. You know, whether it's giving up those conversions on third down in the passing game in big situations, um, you know, on the fourth down conversions, whatever that case may be, it seems like in the biggest moments, that that secondary just doesn't quite have it all together. And, and maybe with the bye week coming out of that, they can tighten that up. But for Minnesota, they've got so many superstars in that secondary, they've all got to start consistently playing like superstars.
0: They most certainly do, but it might be a little bit difficult for them to do so this week because Andrew Sandejo, their strong safety, is out for this game. How pivotal can that absence be?
1: Well, it's it's very important there. You know, we were you're, you're looking at the Bears with Trey Burton, and you're going to have your safeties going to be involved in that. Your safety is going to be coming up and assisting in the running game. And, you know, like we've already established, the Bears are going to have to try to pound the ball and... If you're missing Sendeo, who's been so strong for them, um, you know, that's an opportunity to let the Bears work that underneath passing game with Burton, let Trubisky get comfortable and run the ball. That is exactly what Minnesota does not want to allow the Bears to do because they know that may lead to a Chicago victory.
0: You said it, Hal. And who do you have coming out on top in this uh, battle for NFC North Supremacy? It's a tough one, uh, you know. It's uh,
1: I, I figure this is one that could go all the way down to the wire and maybe even into overtime. So I'm going to take the Bears by a field goal, uh, either very late or in overtime. Twenty to seventeen over the Vikings.
0: Close, but no cigar. We are simpatico on the score, but not the outcome. I believe it's the Vikings that come out on top, twenty to seventeen. Uh, because uh, I don't expect either team's running game to get on track uh, this game because both those defensive fronts are stout, but I think it's going to come down to which quarterback can take better care of the football, and right now, I still trust Kirk Cousins to take better care of the football than Mitchell Trubisky, and that Vikings and defensive front will force uh, a couple of key turnovers that will be the difference in a 20-17 to 17 Vikings victory. And now, moving on to the game that we have had circled on our calendars for the past several weeks, if not months, the Chiefs taking on the Rams, a battle between two of the future stars at quarterback in this league, Patch Mahomes going up against Jared Goff in a game that has shootout written all over it. But a fascinating development in this game occurred earlier this week when the game decided that because of the horrendous field conditions at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, the league decided to move this game to the Los Angeles Coliseum. And since the league made that move, and rightfully so, dare I say, in the name of player safety, how much of an additional advantage does this give the Rams?
1: Well, I mean... It is a home game. It is, you know, anytime you're playing at home instead of a neutral site, that is giving you a little bit more of an advantage. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, with the wildfires out there in California and everything the Rams have been doing to support that, to support the the firefighters there who have been risking their lives and I know they're going to be hosting them. It should be a big emotional lift for Los Angeles playing that game.
0: Oh, I was thinking the exact same thing because of the wildfires uh, still ablaze in California. uh, The Rams are going to have an additional emotional uh, advantage to this game.
1: I agree. I think it, it's going to be a big emotional lift. And, and we know in football, sometimes those, you know, those emotions, um, the pride, the fear, the uh, any kind of surge in emotion is can be enough to, to swing a game to a team and just give it that small advantage it needs. We've seen it so many times in the past.
0: We most certainly have, and we've seen it these past couple weeks with the Steelers playing for their community after that uh, tragedy at the Tree of Life Synagogue, so uh, the Rams could have a very similar emotional advantage like the one the Steelers have been playing with these past several weeks, but the Rams' offense is in a bit of a pickle right now because Cooper Cup, arguably the most important weapon in that passing game given his ability on third downs, he is now out. For the season with a torn ACL and with Cooper Cup now sidelined for the remainder of 2018, which Rams receiving option not named Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods needs to step up the most? You're looking at uh, three guys, Gerald Everett, Josh Reynolds or Tyler Higby. Which one of those three do you think needs to step up the most?
1: Well, I think Everett's going to be involved in the offense more because of that injury to Cup. So I'm going to put the pressure on him. He's shown flashes, um, receiving, but has hasn't really taken that that next step. And as a as, as a young, young tight end, you know they're going to need that production from him to be able to step up and expand that role and be able to be a contributor there in that offense.
0: Oh, I completely agree. Gerald Everett, uh, Matt Waldman, friend of the pod, uh, he absolutely loved Gerald Everett coming out of college at South Alabama, and he's just an athletic freak. And Sean McVay, uh, when he was uh, drafted by the Rams, uh, it was reported on NFL Network that Sean McVay sees him as his future version of Jordan Reed, and the time is now for Gerald Everett to assert himself in that role, because without Cooper Cup, he's going to have to assert himself.
1: Oh, without a doubt, and and you know, for the Rams, it's going to be a big adjustment for Jared Goff because we saw when Cup was er, injured earlier in the season that it really affected Goff's passing. His accuracy was down, his sacks were up. He just was not comfortable back there, losing that security blanket that Cooper Cup is.
0: You said it, Hal. And uh, speaking of Cooper Cup's absence. We're going to uh, talk about a key player for the Chiefs on defense, and Aaron Donald is arguably the best defensive player in football right now, and playing at a defensive MVP uh, level, as we said last week, but the Chiefs have somebody that should be a household name after this game, and that is Chris Jones. Chris Jones has seven sacks this year, and the last game the Rams were without Cooper Cup against Green Bay, Kenny Clark absolutely feasted against the interior of the Rams offensive line. Given Cooper Cup's absence and the weaknesses the Rams had on that interior offensive line against interior penetrators during his earlier absence this season, do you expect Chris Jones to have as good a game or an even better game than Aaron Donald on Monday night?
1: Oh yeah, I, I definitely have Jones as one of the players to watch. I mean, you could just, like I like I had mentioned, you know, Goff, you know, has only been sacked I think 19 times in 10 games, but 11 were the you know count new orleans this without cups since he got injured injured early in that game but you know that was you know 11 out of those 19 sacks were in those three games because again you know that takes away his that that other option where he's not comfortable and as you said the rams weak up the middle we we Really, I can expect to see Chris Jones, you know, teeing off, and uh, with his pressure up the middle, and Ford D Ford flying around the outside. Uh, that could be a dangerous combination. Uh, the Rams have to face, believe it or not, with the Chiefs' defense. Maybe even being able to make an impact in what everybody is expecting to be a high-scoring game.
0: You said it, Hal. And uh, neither of these defenses have been playing good football this season. But who do you think has the better defense if he had to choose, the Chiefs or the Rams?
1: It's a tough one. I think talent-wise, it's the Rams. I mean, anytime you're talking about a defense with Aaron Donald, you've got Sue in the middle as well. Um, You know, you've got solid cornerbacks. We talked about the struggles of Marcus Peters last week. Um, Nickel Roby Coleman is one of the better interior cornerbacks in the league, veteran Sam Shields is solid you know I I think the defense really misses Aqib Talib, but talent wise it's the Rams but you know if you're going to look at the overall how they're playing together the impact that they're having you know I might say you know as much as I I it goes against me to say but really if you're looking at the results on the field in the last couple of weeks uh, Kansas City has been playing better than the Rams on defense
0: Oh, I totally agree. And last week against Josh Rosen wasn't necessarily an elite outing, but the pressure they were able to get on him in a game that was very, very close throughout helped win the game for them. So the Chiefs have definitely been playing better football as an overall defensive unit uh, recently than the Rams have. And uh, let's talk about some other potential game deciding matchups. We talked about uh, the trenches and stuff. What other matchups are you looking for?
1: Well, you know, again, that Kansas City, um, they're going to have to, You know, anybody going up against the Rams, you're going to have to find a way to account for Todd Gurley whether on the ground and in the passing game. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on those linebackers in Kansas City. And, and you're looking at Anthony Hitchens, Reggie Raglan, Those two guys are going to be trying to account for him in the running game, account for him in the passing game. And, you know, neither one of them is superstars there by any stretch. But they need to come out and play their best game because they're going to see a lot of Todd Gurley.
0: And speaking of uh, running backs, in a shootout type game, you can expect both of these teams to try running the ball because these defenses, both the Chiefs and the Rams, have absolutely struggled against defending the run. So uh, you could talk about Todd Gurley all you want, and yes, he's going to be super important in this game, but you should also expect the Chiefs to feed Kareem Hunt early and often for the exact same reason and keep that Rams offense off the field.
1: Exactly. Feed him and not just in the running game, but get him involved because when he's involved as a receiver, he's got big play potential as a receiver. And with so many weapons for Patrick Mahomes, it seems like sometimes they forget about Hunt in the passing game. So make sure he gets his targets early and often as well.
0: I completely, completely agree, Hal. And who do you have winning this game that we've been looking forward to for a very long time, the Chiefs or the Rams?
1: i am gone back and forth on it, you know, a couple of times, but I think the loss of Cooper Cup is going to be enough to swing the balance to the Chiefs. I think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be quite as high scoring as uh, everyone hopes for, but I've got the Chiefs winning at 31-28 to 28 over the Rams boop,
0: boop, 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 boop. We are pretty much simpatico here. I agree the Cooper Cup injury swings the balance of power in this game in favor of the Chiefs. However, I do think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring uh, because uh, there's going to be uh, uh, one team getting out to a two score lead, whether it be by 10 or 14 points, and that causes both the teams to take to the air the rest of the way But I do have the Chiefs winning just like you do, 42 to 39. And now it's time for our Top Choice Athletics Trivia Question of the Week. And the winner of this weekly contest will be the recipient of some of the best sporting equipment from our friends at Top Choice Athletics. And here it is How many yards was Vikings defensive end Jim Marshall's infamous wrong way run? Again, how many yards was Vikings defensive end Jim Marshall's infamous wrong way run? Please submit your answers to me at SportsCrunch on Twitter or on Facebook, and the first one to answer gets a big prize from our friends at Top Choice Athletics. And now, moving on to our rapid-fire predictions, in which Hattle and I predict the rest of these Week 11 matchups, starting with the Cowboys and Falcons. This one was a very tough one for me to predict. Flip a coin.
1: Definitely, David. There are, you know, these teams fall into that middle class of the NFL right now where the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Redskins, the Eagles, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Titans, the Dolphins. I don't know what these teams are doing each week. It seems like just when you think you haven't figured out, something happens the next week, and it's totally the opposite of what you expect. I can't figure any of these teams out, and Falcons-Cowboys, definitely a coin flip.
0: I agree, but the reason why I'm taking the Falcons by a 24-21 score in this game is because they get Deion Jones back, and I think his presence will uh, bring enough to that defense to decide a squeaker.
1: Well, they definitely need Deion Jones back. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, I've been impressed with the Cowboys defense for the most part over the last month and a half throughout that Tennessee game. Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one, 24 to 20 over the Falcons.
0: And you mentioned the Bengals and Ravens, and they play each other Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium. Uh, Marvin Lewis fired defensive coordinator Terrell Austin after that horrendous performance against the Saints last week. But the Ravens, with uncertainty at quarterback, I think the advantage has to go slightly to the Bengals. I think uh, the Bengals' offense makes just enough plays against that Ravens' defense, which has been struggling a little bit lately, to pull out a 23-16 victory.
1: I'm going with my George Costanza theory on here. So, you know, the the episode where whatever you think, George, do the opposite. When I'm dealing with these teams, the Bengals and the Ravens, that's exactly what I'm doing as well. My brain says Bengals should win. So I'm going with the Ravens in a close one, 20 to 17 over the Bengals.
0: Ooh, the George Costanza theory. That should be a theory that I will apply to my picks Going forward. And the Panthers and Lions, this was one of the easier games to predict. The Lions have been absolutely atrocious in recent weeks, and the Panthers have had a week and a half to prepare for this game coming off that drubbing in Pittsburgh. I think they get back on track with a 31-20 victory here.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty close to that one as well. Maybe not as high scoring, but I've got the Panthers twenty-four to thirteen over the Lions in an easy win.
0: Nonetheless, burp, 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 burp. That's a simpatico alert. And the Tennessee Titans, who last week just annihilated the New England Patriots, annihilated them. But they have been a super inconsistent team all year, and they're traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, who I don't think we should sleep on either. I have just been super impressed with the way the Colts have been playing football this year. Frank Reich, they lucked out. by When Josh McDaniels uh, chickened out on them at the last minute, they, I believe, lucked into a better option in Frank Reich, and he has Andrew Luck playing at the level that we all expected him to play when he was healthy uh, years ago and now he's healthy again and he's playing like that quarterback we all expected him to be and that defense and that young offensive line led by Quentin Nelson they are just playing some amazing football right now and as great as the Titans played last week against the Patriots I just don't trust them to be consistent enough I think they lose a close one to the Colts 27-24. Ooh, I've
1: got it. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Titans on this one. I think it's going to be another close game. I think we've got a lot of games this week that are going to go down to the wire or maybe even overtime. So I uh, I was just so impressed watching the Titans last week, what that defense can do. And if, if they can do half of that against this Colts offense, uh, they should be able to find a way to pull out enough points to win. And I have the Titans 26 to 20 over the Colts.
0: And now to one of the two stink bowls this week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants. Ah, this is a hold your nose, flip a coin.
1: Yeah, this one, uh, this is just the battle for you know how, how high is our draft pick going to be, and uh, <laughs> I, I think the Giants blow it here and, and let the Bucks back into the uh, the the opportunity to get that uh top five pick and i've got the giants winning 24 to 20 over tampa
0: we're simpatico on the score once again yet not simpatico on the outcome i have tampa bay coming out in front 24 to 20 i think ryan fitzpatrick and that offense make just a little bit more plays than eli manning does uh to eke out a victory and what will be a very very ugly game no matter what the score is texans at redskins two teams in first place I think the Texans are hands down the better team though, and although the Redskins just might uh, wind up winning uh, the NFC East this year, I still think those injuries to that interior offensive line are going to doom them against this Texans front, and the Texans uh, end up winning this game by a score of 26-23. to
1: Ooh, I like that. Um again, I think it's going to be close. I'm with you on that, David. Um I'm just going to give this one to the home team and say the Redskins find a way to pull it out. Another close one going down to the wire, maybe even overtime, but Redskins 27, Texans 24.
0: And moving on, the Red Hot Steelers traveling to Duval to take on the Jaguars in a revenge game for last year's uh, AFC Divisional Playoff game and the Jaguars a lot of people are going to talk about Blake Bortles all they want, and rightfully so, but that Jaguars defense has absolutely plummeted since last year. They have been absolutely atrocious lately, and against the Steelers offense, do you expect them to the correct course? I don't think so. I think the Steelers win a relatively easy game here, 34-20. to 20.
1: Well, I'm going to go with my uh, upset special here Whoa! because uh, the Costanza theory is in effect this week, and you know that the Jaguars, for whatever reason, they get up for the Steelers, just like they got up for the Patriots earlier in the year. And I'm going to have the Jaguars in the upset, 27 to 21 over the Steelers.
0: Ooh, that is an upset special indeed. And the other stink bowl of the week, the Raiders traveling to the desert to take on the Cardinals. Even though this is a hold your nose game, this isn't a coin flip game. As bad as the Cardinals are, they're much better than the Raiders are. And Byron Leftwich has gotten Josh Rosen back on track since he took over offensive coordinator responsibilities. He has Rosen playing a lot better. And I think Josh Rosen absolutely tears it up against this awful, awful Raiders defense. And the Cardinals win a pretty easy one 24-13.
1: Um, yeah, I've got the Cardinals winning it a little bit closer. Uh, maybe Chucky will get the Raiders to fight a little this week, but Cardinals 21, Raiders 17.
0: And the Broncos and their injury-depleted offensive line traveling to Stubbub Stadium to take on the Chargers, who are nipping at the heels of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this one was a super easy game for me to predict. Uh, it's not going to be close. Chargers are going to win 27-10. Easy.
1: Yeah, the Chargers should win. Um, they're at home. Well, uh, you know, they should. I've got it as a pretty easy win, but maybe a late touchdown by the Broncos makes it look a little closer. And Chargers 27, Broncos 20.
0: Oh, that is interesting. And last but not least, the Eagles, who are in dire need of a win They picked the worst week to need one as they traveled to New Orleans to take on the best team in the NFC, if not the entire NFL right now, the New Orleans Saints. And given how decimated the Eagles are in that secondary, I don't think they could do it. I think the Saints uh, come out uh, on top with a 38-21 win. And that is actually my lock of the week.
1: Ooh, all right. Yeah, I've got the Saints winning it as well. I mean, they're just the most complete team in the NFL right now, I think, and uh I think the Eagles, this is, you know, their season coming down to this game. Uh, they dropped to four and six, and it's it's pretty much over for them, I think. But um, maybe uh, the Eagles keep it close for the first half or so, and the Saints just pull away with it 27-20. to 20.
0: And now for our Week 11 Bold Predictions. And why don't you go first here, Hal? Sure. So I was talking
1: about all these close games this week and these teams, I don't know what they're going to do, so we're flipping a coin on the game. Who's going to show up? Why not make it the overtime week? My bold prediction is... Five of these games are going into overtime. We're going to see the Vikings and the Bears, the Bengals and the Ravens, the Colts and the Titans, Texans, Redskins, Jaguars, Steelers. Let's make them all overtime games. That's what I'm going to say. They're all so evenly matched. They're all so unpredictable this season. Let's have these unpredictable teams have an unpredictable week. So my bold prediction, five overtime games.
0: If there was any bold prediction, I would pray to God comes true. It would be what you just said, Hal. So please, football gods, give us five overtime games this week. And for me, the Philadelphia Eagles uncharacteristically got gashed on the ground against the Dallas Cowboys offensive line that wasn't even at full strength last week. And they got a Saints offensive line that, although they'll be missing Teron Armstead at left tackle, they're still the best offensive line in the league right now in the Saints. And I think the Eagles allow 200-plus yards on the ground to that Saints' ground game with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram.
1: Ooh, that is bold. I like it.
0: And last but not least, our challenge flags for Week 11, and I will go first here. My challenge flag goes to the offensive line of both the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. Look, on paper, both of you guys are in a mismatch. The Vikings offensive line against Cleo Mack and that Bears front. The Bears offensive line against Neil Hunter and that Vikings front. I dare one of you guys to dominate on Sunday night. Just find a way to dominate, especially in the run game, and you will go a long way to helping your team win the battle for NFC North Supremacy. So, Bears offensive line and Vikings offensive line, one of you prove me wrong and dominate.
1: All oh, right. And my challenge flag this week, I swear it's going to a team who's actually playing this week, goes to Cincinnati Bengals owner and de facto general manager, Mike Brown. Mike Brown. It's time for a change. The final straw for me, Marvin Lewis, brings Hugh Jackson back to Cincinnati. What an indignity. This team has been underachieving for so long. It's time to make a bold move. Goodbye, Marvin Lewis. You're wasting the best years of your best players. Andy Dalton's 31. A.J. Green's 30. Gino Atkins is 30. Carlos Dunlap's 29. These guys are wasting their prime seasons playing under Marvin Lewis. Clean house. Vonte's perfect. Get these troublemakers out. Get a new regime in charge. Get somebody other than Marvin Lewis, and he can take Hugh Jackson with him out the door in Cincinnati.
0: That is a very, very good challenge flag, Hal. And he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. You could catch his work covering the NFL at FullPressCoverage.com and if you're a Patriots fan, you can find his Patriots-themed work at MusketFire.com as well as BostonSportPage.com. And Hal, it's always a pleasure doing this with you week in and week out and this ride, these next seven weeks is going to be even bumpier than what we've had these last ten weeks. So, Buckle up, man. I look forward to it.
1: I am looking forward to it as well. I love the unpredictability of it and can't wait to see what this week has for us.
0: I can't wait either, Hal, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but we'll be back right before Thanksgiving with a look at Week 12, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com, and remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like my man, Hal Bent. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.